Praise God. We're going to be, um, I had a song planned. I've, I've cut that. I want to be very expeditious with our time. Hopefully I don't have to feel rushed. Um, you know, I've been working on this for weeks, you know, <laughs> and, um, but, uh, at the same time, um, I do understand that there's some weather happening out there. And so we'll, we'll, we're going to shorten it a little bit. Praise God. But, uh, you're going to get your impartation, sister joy. Amen. I won't leave here without laying hands on if, if you want that. So praise God. Uh, I'd like everybody to just maybe verify with me that you do have a handout. Everybody got, did we get enough handouts printed? Praise God. Uh, if not, we'll get you one of those. Maybe married couples will share. But I think, uh, I think from what I'm hearing you say, we're all, we're all good and supplied. Just give me a little bit to get organized. And um, praise God. You could turn. You bring your Bible. Hope you brought your Bible. Don't come to church without bringing your Bible. Praise God. And let's turn over to... Um, well, let's go ahead and start in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. That's not on your handout. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. And let me find that. You can find it, and then I'll pray. And I'm just so, I'm so thankful that you all are with me, with my wife, with my family, with my staff and this church family. Those of you that are on staff, I'm so thankful for your willingness to take that on and face the demonic attacks you face and the challenges and the joys and the privileges and all of that. First Thessalonians chapter 2. This is not going to be live streamed. It's not going to be video recorded. We are going to audio record it depending on how it comes out. If everything that comes out is appropriate enough to put on the podcast, I'll give them a thumbs up to do that. If not, I may link it to our website or something. And uh, because we've got several that no doubt um, made the decision to stay home tonight, and that's, that's fine for them, and we'll make sure that they have access to it. Father, we thank you. For this time of impartation, Father God, I've just had it in my heart for a number of weeks to, to get as many as are willing together to hear my heart about this church, to hear my heart about the ministry and how we want it done and how we want it run. And Father God, uh, by their willingness on a night like this to even be present, I, I just believe that with the, your grace, help, the light of your word, this will be an easy task uh, to get us all in uh, you know, even a, a piano that's wonderful, like we have a baby grand piano, but you still have to tune that thing. As wonderful, as great as it is, it still needs tuning. So even if this is just a tuning moment for us, uh, we want to make a wonderful sound in 2024. So we're happy to be adjusted and tuned as you would see fit. God, if we need to be flat rebuked and corrected, we're willing for even for that uh, because we know that uh, uh, the blows, if you will, of a friend uh, Proverbs says to the effect that that's a, that's a good thing. It's a loving thing. So we just thank you for our time together tonight. Uh, and I just release my faith even now that, Father God, we're all going to be escorted very safely uh, back to our homes after this is over. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So um, I just ran out to go get the scripture reference. It just came up in my heart. So I did find it. First Thessalonians chapter number 2. Uh, chapter number 2 and verse number 8, Paul said, writing to these uh, Christians, obviously, in Thessalonica, So being affectionately desirous of you, we were willing to have imparted unto you, not the gospel of God only, but also, notice this, our own souls, because you are dear unto us. You know, if you follow a man of God close enough, if God has it for you, 
especially in a five-fold type setting, you can get not only uh, portions of anointing that they had, spiritual equipment that they had, but something of the essence of the person himself or herself. You can get that. You know, they say of a young Lester Summerall that before his time with um, Smith Wigglesworth over in England, um, he wasn't near as bold like he was known to be in his later years. But it was only after an aged Wigglesworth grabbed up a young Summerall in his 20s and said, let everything I have, everything I am go into this man, that he became bold like we, we knew Summerall to be. Amen? Well, that's the essence of the person. Right? And so I don't have time to run any rabbit trails with you, but that's why you want to be careful about who imparts to you. You get something of their soul. Some people's souls are kind of icky. What is the word of this generation? Sketchy. <clears throat> right? And, um, but I hope that what's in me, and, and don't wait just to receive impartations until I lay hands on you, but as I'm sharing my heart with you, that part of what's in my wife and I, our heart, our soul, our mind for this church, for the ministry, my prayer tonight is that you would open up your heart. You would open up your soul to let what is in me, what's in my wife, hopefully get into you. Amen. Amen. If you trust us enough along that line, I pray that'd be good. So you could turn back to the left to Philippians if you want, or you could just watch, look at your handout now. Philippians chapter 2. And we're going to jump into this. <clears throat> and, uh, you know, I've got a kind of a mindset of how long I think it'd be safe to go. But I'm not going to rush. And we've got a lot of calendar days on the year. We can just come back and do this again, you know, on some of the night. You know, we own the building, praise God. So that's nice to, <laughs> nice to have. So, so I'm not going to rush myself through it. But uh, it'll be good. First, uh, uh, Philippians, excuse me, chapter 2. I want to just point out something that the Apostle Paul said to this group of believers. In verse number 2, he said, Fulfill you my joy. How would he, how's he going to do that? Fulfill you my joy that you be what? Like-minded. Like you willing tonight to be like-minded with me? Yes. Well, that's awesome. That's, that's a key requirement. But what else would you need to know to be like-minded with me? You guys are sharp. What's my mind? How do I think about things? How do I want things to go? Well, that's my responsibility to give you that care enough, amen, an opportunity to know what my mind is, you know, about the church and about the ministry. And so, uh, you know, I'm echoing this sentiment, you fulfill my joy, my wife's joy, that you be like-minded. I know I've got so, so much further to go, but I'm, I'm fully convinced in my heart that if, if more people, and especially the younger and the newer ones in the church, if they just think like me, in a lot of areas, their lives would improve. And that's what I'm doing with whom, you know, the company that God's put me in. Amen. Praise God. I'll give you an example. Not this year, but last year, Holy Ghost meetings. God seemed to move on uh, Pastor Craig Fields to stand up and kind of take over the service, Pastor Nancy's service, and talk to people about giving large amounts for her airplane, which was fine. And I was checking my heart, amen, and I gave. 
out of the church account what God told me to give. I'm confident of that. But they were challenging as many pastors as they could to give 50000 That's a large amount. And now we have some cash reserves, more than that. And so I could have written a $50,000 check. But I just didn't feel led to. Right? Had I, I would have. But, you know, others did. And I'll give you, I'll give you, well, I'm not going to say the name, but one of my close minister friends did give that amount. Well, they just got a $500,000 check and bought an airplane with it that they were believing God for. Now, again, I, what am I doing? I'm like, hmm, big seed, big harvest. Right? Think like me. Think like them. Amen. So being like-minded. Well, he goes on and he says something else. Look at this, having the same love. You know, my wife said this um, on more than one occasion. She's not wrong about it. But it's, you know, you need to temper it also. And she just said to me privately, you know, she said, Pastor, you know, she doesn't call me Pastor, but Chris, <laughs> you and I, we eat, breathe, sleep this church. And other people don't do that. They got their lives, and that's true. Amen? But you could have maybe a greater, a more similar, like-minded love and passion for the house. Amen. Having the same love. Amen. Trying to get through this scripture. Being of one accord. Of one mind. Amen. Amen. Now they tell me at the end of the year, I get one report a year on how our attendance is. Just one. That's all I want. <laughs> they said we bounce around on the low side from 165 up to around 190. So 165 to 190 of us. Well, we don't need 160 minds. We're not going to go where God wants us to go with 160 minds. 190 minds. Let me say it like this. 160 opinions. Let me just go ahead and get in our business, right? 160 ideas about how something ought to be done. How something ought to be administrated. How something ought to go. No, there needs to be one mind. And we want that mind to be as close to the mind of God as possible. But you understand in an organization, even a ministry organization, God gives that prerogative and privilege, amen, to the leader of that ministry. Amen. It's my job when I'm around Pastor Nancy to be one mind with her. When I'm around Dr. Jacobs, who's very different from Pastor Nancy, it's my job to be of one mind with him. And I don't really have an opinion. Even though I have one, I know it's not mine to share. Then skip down to verse 5 in this chapter. Paul says, let this mind, any of your translations say something different? Yeah, I love the word. It's, it's better translated attitude. Let this attitude be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. So is it possible that the Christians at Philippi didn't have the same attitude that Jesus had? They didn't have the same mind? Amen. Well, it's possible you came in tonight and you don't have the same attitude. But you came willing to hear, right? Amen. So have the same mind. Fulfill my joy. I love these two scriptures. Fulfill my joy. Be like-minded. Having the same mind. Having the same love. Of one accord of one mind. Amen. Let this mind, let this attitude be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Amen. Let's go over to Psalm 133. and I'll accelerate through a little bit of this preliminary so I can get to the meat of this thing. 
Somebody said amen. amen. Psalm 133. And it's a short psalm, you know it. I'm just going to begin reading verse 1. Behold how good, it's good, and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in how? In what? In unity. Just real quick, shotgun at me some words that would describe unity. Oneness, agreement, harmony. I love that one. Harmony, sameness. All of these are good adjectives. It, being unified like that, is like the precious ointment. Okay, that's anointing. Upon the head that ran down upon the beard. Where did the anointing hit? The anointing's on the head. But where there's unity, that anointing that's on the head, it, it oozes down and gets down on the rest of the body. That went down all the way to the skirts of his garment. Dwelling together in unity is like the dew of Hermon. It's refreshing. And as I want your, our church experience to be refreshing. And as the dew that descended upon the mountains of Zion, that's the church, by type and shadow. For there, the Lord, look at that. For there, where brethren are dwelling together. Same mind, sameness, harmony, one mind, one accord. Amen. There, God commands the blessing. Amen. Even life forevermore. Hallelujah. So you and I, we're going to accomplish more in the church for God. If we'll have one mind instead of 160, that we're unified, amen. And uh, then we would if a good portion of our ministry and our ministers and our staff had their different thoughts about the matter. Right. Now, where's this going to show up? This is going to show up when, um, when you're operating in the ministry apart from my eyes. Yeah. And you decide, well, no one's here watching. I'm going I'm to break protocol and do this my way. Well, you just broke unity. Yeah. That's right. and, and, and I may never find out about it, but the Holy Ghost is ever watching. Right. Amen. Amen. So my goal there, D, my goal in my prayer is that as I share my heart, you'll open yours, so forth, so on. Amen. You know, the Bible says in Ephesians that every believer is supposed to strive earnestly, strive earnestly mm -hmm. to, to do two things. Number one, Foster unity among the brethren. Mm -hmm. And number two, protect it. Yeah. And we each have a holy responsibility to do that. All right, so we're moving forward. I'm going to begin talking to, uh, now for a little bit about serving to a standard. You with me? Yes, this is my heart. We don't just serve. That's wrong. Well, I serve. Great. That's not the goal, is you serving. We are to serve to a standard, not just serve. Amen? We serve to a standard. And I want us to have that mindset. We're not just serving. Uh, we don't just come in here willy-nilly. I don't know who willy-nilly is, but I think we all know what that means, right? You know, we just come in and we shoot from the hip. You know, that might be fine and even necessary to some degree when, you got, when you're pioneering a church of 5, 10, 15, 20, 35 people. Mm -hmm. 
but to get where we are from where God to where God wants us to go willy-nilly shooting from the hip. That's not going to get it. That's not going to work. Amen? Uh, We have to serve to a standard. And you've got to want to serve to a standard. Because I'm not, I don't micromanage. That's not my style. I need, if I put you in a position, I need to know that there's a good faith, honest, sincere effort on your part. You know my mind. You know what to do. You know how I want it done. And whether I'm here or not, whether I'm watching or not, you're going to serve to that standard. I'm not mad at anybody. Amen. Praise God. And uh, so the question quickly becomes, what's the standard? What is the standard and who gets to set the standard? Amen. Well, in setting of standard, well, uh, let me say this. Excellence, let me bottom line it. Excellence is the standard. That's the standard. If it is not excellent, it's not the standard here. I said if it's not excellent, then it is less than the standard. And we'll, if time permitting, we'll, we'll get into excellence and about, you know, what that, what that is and what that looks like. And so, you know, let me say it this way. There's nothing too high for the most high. There's no such thing here or anywhere in any service to the kingdom that is too much, too excessive, too costly. I love hearing what Pastor Nancy said. I'm not called to save money. God didn't call me to save money. We're not going to show up in heaven and go, and who's going to get the heavenly prize today for who on the earth saved the most money? That's, that's not happening. That's right. We're not called to save money. We're called to be a steward, right. yeah. a good steward of money, to manage resources. But I'm not called to save money. I'm called to fulfill a plan. And you're called alongside me to help me fulfill that plan. And there's nothing too high for the most high. So there can be no such thing as, that's good enough. We've got to fight that. That's good enough. And I need you. You have the same mind. Don't forget as we go through this how we started these these scriptures. Same mind. Amen? Who we're doing it for, who we're doing it for is worthy. Of the highest of the high. So it's that kind of mindset that guides my thoughts as I, as the leader, set the standard. And you understand, practically in this ministry, it's the privilege of leadership to set and define the standard. What, is, what does excellence look like? Well, there's only certain, there's limitations to the, at any given moment to the measure of excellence we can achieve because of resources available. Our job, though, is to take the resources we have available and push it to the highest mark possible. You know what is not okay? Having social media posts that are misspelled. Having this week's sermon online with last week's title. That is not okay. People are sincere. I'm not, I'm not getting, but that's not okay. That's not okay. 
an usher on the schedule who is sitting in a chair when they ought to be standing like this prepared to receive the offering, that is not okay. That is a, this is not a big deal kind of an attitude. Not walking, being in security and being asleep in the service is not okay. That's not the way I think. I don't feel very secure. Running out of offering envelopes should never happen. You know, my staff's here. Coming in on Sunday morning, the biggest day of our week, and having no toner in the copier. And no paper in the copy machine. Come on. We're serving to a standard. I said we're serving to a standard. Amen. Praise God. We need to have dignity about us. Right? Um, Not being diligent about the checklist and we get into a service and speakers aren't turned on. We all make mistakes. I do. You do. But that ought to bother us. It's okay to make a mistake. We have room. We're offering room to make a mistake. Mistakes cannot be our flow. When we make a mistake, we should own that mistake and we should say, that was less than. And that, I, that will get corrected, Pastor. I love something that Dr. Hadaball said, and I'm, I'm going to end up jumping around in my notes a little bit. He said, um, your standard, talking about a church, talking about a ministry, your standard preaches to visitors every service. So, you know, before the greeters say anything, before our praise team sings the first song, before the preacher gets up and says anything, our standard has already spoken. The uneven grass, the trash in the parking lot, which we don't have because we serve to a standard around here. Uh, Right? But you think about it. It's sometimes 30, 35 minutes before. I could have the most anointed sermon of any preacher in America. And it not matter to many visitors. They've already decided because they've already had a bad experience. Someone was rough and gruff and unorganized in the children's area. It looked disorder and out of control. And mama's already decided she's not coming back here. And it won't matter what I preach. And we failed. When that, if that happened, we failed. Every department head in this room, the children's ministry, I'm looking to you to train your people in customer service, in countenance, in procedure, in knowing what to do, and showing up on time, and being able to be hospitable. Every department of this ministry preaches. Every single department. The grass preaches. The plots, the, the flower pots preach. Right? If the coffee is burned and stale, it preaches. Right? If the bathroom stink like urine, that preaches. 
How'd I get up on this? Not in my note, but anyway, <laughs> praise the Lord. It is so very important that everyone who's got a part in the ministry and everyone who attends here should, that they adopt this mind that we're serving to a standard. And you got to want that for yourself. The only thing, the only way you're going to do anything beyond a few weeks based on, it's not going to be based on something I said. You have to assimilate it and let my heart become your heart. So at some point, it's your heart. Your heart is that we have clean and orderly restrooms. Whether you're on the whether you're on that part of the team or not. Right? It's your heart. Amen. Praise God. So I love what you can turn the page. Dr. Hadaball, he made this statement. He said, set a standard and let it speak. I love that. Some of you, you should believe God if you ever have it in your heart or mind to go to Georgetown, Texas to a meeting and be in one of Dr. Hadaball's special meetings or church services. They're on another level. And it's wonderful. And we're on our way too. Amen. But they have set a standard and that standard speaks. And you know what? It speaks highly of their Savior. It's impressive. Amen. So... Uh, moving further in this, some notable quotes, some things uh, that I, I really like. Just want to quickly go over a few of these. So I don't know who said this, but I like it. Weakness of attitude will become weakness of character. So if you're constantly recognizing a not-so-great attitude, you need to understand that if you let that go unchecked, it will define your character. Yeah. I like this next one. Nothing can stop the man with the right mental attitude from achieving his goal. And nothing on earth can help the man with the wrong mental attitude. Oh, Jesus. There's nothing, not me, not no one on earth, nothing that could help the person that's got a wrong attitude. So this is, the next ones are all from Dr. Hattaball. Excellence is to drive talent, not the other way around. A lot of people promote talent in church. And I understand, I get this. No, we've learned that by mistake. We're going to promote excellence here, not talent. You know, a lot of people are talented and unexcellent. And that misrepresents what, my, what I'm about. So you may have all the talent in the world to sing, to play, to preach, to pray, to, uh, to do whatever. But if you're not demonstrating uh, growth in the area of excellence, you will not be promoted here. Amen. If you're not going to get on board with my mind about excellence, um, you, you're not going to be promoted. Amen. Amen. I'm not hard. I'm just saying excellence is the standard I'm shooting for. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Uh, it's just going to get better and better as we go here. All right. <laughs> you say, this doesn't feel like impartation. It is. It is. This is exactly. Right. So Dr. Hattabaugh says, I love this. He said, you cannot get into the more of what God has for you, except you come through the gate of correction. 
Oh, glory. Right on, Doc, right on. Here's another gem of a quote. Being satisfied with where you are aborts your future. Oh, how come I didn't say that? Man, being satisfied with where you are aborts your future. Because none of us have arrived. There's always more with God. You get satisfied, you just aborted the more. Just a, just a quick something I came across. This is Dr. Jesse, or not, I don't know if he's doctor or not. Brother Jesse Duplantis, he's called the Big 12. These are his personal confidence, uh, you know, principles for achieving success. Principle number five, he says this, Do not settle for the land of the better. Aim to dwell in the land of the best. God did not create you to just barely get by. You know if you're barely getting by and you're satisfied with that, you're living way beneath your potential. Me, any of us. God's desire for your life is total success, spiritually, physically, financially. This is why one of the ways you can hinder your future success is to become satisfied when things get a little better. Did you hear what he said? One of the ways people hinder their future success is to become overly satisfied when things get a little better. When things move from bad to a little better, you must resist the urge to stop believing God and do e let Him do even more for you. He just took possession. You know, they just lambasted Him all over you know, the media. He told us He just took possession of that airplane, paid cash. He's the second buyer. The other buyer wanted to finance it and couldn't do it. He's buying it from a businessman, a billionaire in L.A. He flew out there and said, I'm here, to, I'm here to buy it. And the guy said, well, how are you going to finance it? He said, finance it? I'm paying cash. Amen. And the guy looked at him real strange. He said, not in a suitcase, you understand. $21 million. And I love what he said. He said, some unknown businessman, probably unsaved, called up Good Morning America that was criticizing him for this and said, why are you criticizing this preacher? He said, that jet operates on a fuel level that is half of what the, pre the lesser jets operate on. He will save money in the long term. And hung up the phone. Wow. <laughs> See, Brother Jesse's not satisfied. He says this, I refuse to live in a place that God wants me to pass through. Ooh, Jesus. Amen. I like it. See, these are things that speak to me. These are things that motivate my thinking. Amen. Hallelujah. So the next quote, people around you who don't want to reach become a yoke. So I have to ask myself, who am I to Dr. Jacobs? Am I a supply or am I a yoke? Well, if I'm going to be close to him and I'm not willing to reach and I'm not willing to stretch, then I become a yoke. And what happens to the yoke? The anointing breaks the yoke. The anointing breaks the yoke. Amen? Well, staff, who are you to me? Who are you to me? Deacons, who are you to me? Department heads, who are you to me? 
I don't like all this demand a standard. I, why can't we just come church and just be, just be church? Just come, it's just fine. Why does he, why does he just got to keep pushing everything? Why? Why, why? Well, I'm telling you why. It doesn't represent. I said it doesn't represent. Baseboard hanging off the wall, that doesn't represent. Air conditioning equipment broken down, that doesn't represent. Windows that leak, that doesn't represent. And you know what I find? If we're not okay with things, God says, I'm not okay with it either. And he funds it. I wonder how many churches would have just had for 20 years windows that leak. But no, we set out to believe God. That's not good enough. Having windows you can't see out of because the condensation, the pains failed in, in between them. No, we're not putting up with that. And you know, God funded it. I didn't even have to receive an offering for it. See, God is with us and God is with you. When you make a demand and say, I'm not okay with this house being broken down. I'm not okay with my vehicle being a rust bucket. I'm not okay. I'm thankful that I'm not walking. I'm thankful I'm not riding my horse to work. Amen. But God's got more for me. God's got more for me. And I'm not going to be satisfied knowing he's got more for me and not reaching for it. Amen. Now, ultimately, in your own life, you, I have no say in that. You, you just do what you can. But when it comes to here, when it comes to be, we're talking about people on staff, deacons, leadership, helps ministers. I do have something to say about that. Amen. And being unwilling to reach and being unwilling to change, that's disqualifying. I just want to communicate. If you ever get to the place, you're unwilling to change. I've heard that pastor's voice all these years and I'm just dumbed it out and I'm familiar and I, I am, I'm at this level and I'm not changing. It's fine if you want to be that way and do that and come and attend and be part of the family, but you cannot lead. I said you cannot lead. I can't, I can't, because that doesn't, we're not, we're not unified on that. Amen. Praise the Lord. And then this last quote, he says here, demanding excellence in other people will reveal their heart. It will reveal their heart because it's going to place a demand. Pastor Nancy, just through her preaching, she places a demand on me. Yeah, she places a demand on me. She said this, guys. She said, uh, she said uh, in the back room, she said God told her this some weeks or months ago. She said, the Spirit of God said to me recently, you, I don't, he said, God saying to her, I don't set your standard of living. You do. You choose. I fund what you choose. Think about that. God said, I don't choose your standard of living. You do. It's another way of saying what something else I heard Pastor Nancy say a lot. God will let you have whatever you're okay with. Whatever you're, whatever you're willing to put up with. Praise Him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. So you go ahead and turn the page again. Mm -mm -mm. So here's that question, top of the page. Why? <laughs> Why demand an excellent standard? Well, because like I said, I can't, I can't find anything less than about our God. I can't find anything ho-hum about our God. I can't find anything about our God that's not extreme. Too much. High. I just can't. If you can find it in the word, let me know. And uh, 
You know, the Bible says here in the handout, Colossians chapter 3, slaves, and it does say slaves, but uh, it's really servants. Always obey your earthly masters. Don't obey them only while you're being watched. As if you merely want to please people. Be sincere in your motives out of respect for your real master. Whatever you do, look at this, whatever you do, do it how? Wholeheartedly. You should usher wholeheartedly, not willy-nilly. Wholeheartedly. Amen. As though you were working for your real master, meaning Jesus, and not merely for humans. You know that your real master will give you an inheritance as your reward. It is Christ, your real master, whom you are serving. Now look at this next verse that God's are thinking. 1 Corinthians 14, 12. Even so ye, for as much as you are zealous for things pertaining to the Spirit, seek that you may excel. Look at that. Excel to the building up, the edifying of the church. That needs to be my heart. That needs to be my mind. That needs to be your aim. Whether you're on the praise team, whether you're working in the cafe, where you're loving on children, no matter what you're doing, whether you're in the sound booth, whatever you may do, be doing, we should seek to be mediocre? No. Seek to do the minimum? No. Seek to take the easiest route possible? No. Seek to excel. Amen. How many of you have been in this auditorium from the first day we moved in? Amen. Were you happy the day we moved in? I was. Come on. Yes. I was. I had to, my wife and I had to sell my, my 90s little Honda car just to pay for the purple carpet we had. Bare concrete everywhere else, gravel parking lot. No baseboard. No tile in the lobby. What if we'd have moved in and say, well, better than Jackson Street. How many of you know this is better? How many of you know a paved parking lot speaks to visitors better than an unpaved? A carpeted sanctuary is better than a bare concrete sanctuary. New unstained chairs better than metal folding chairs that really hurt your boots of hiney. Well, I come in and I'm so thankful for where we are. But we're not done. These walls are too blank. They need decorations. We need, a, we need an upgraded backdrop. I see cracks on the lines in this drywall that have always been there because that guy wasn't excellent. The carpet's been a wonderful blessing, but it's got, you know, Mark's really messed it up. <laughs> we need lights in here. Well, I can see. I'm going to get you. Amen. We have more people participating in this ministry outside the church than we do inside. And we need those lights. I said we need those lights. And we have a supply for them. Just like we had a supply for the carpet and the seats and the walls and everything that is here. But listen, here's what I need. Keep pushing it up higher with me. Don't get satisfied. This is just one building of four. And this one's not good enough. They got too much exposed metal out there. It needs stucco. It needs stone. Amen. Thank God we're not scuffing our shoes on gravel parking lot, but we need curbs. 
Are, uh, yeah, okay, praise Him. See, if there is this, guys, if there is this in going on, because you feel like a demand is being communicated, you're not wrong. You're not bad. You are wrong, but you're not bad. <laughs> but what I want you to recognize that movement in your heart and recognize that's a problem. That's a problem that my pastor is asking me to deal with. I love something else Dr. Hadabaugh said when I, was, I went to Nashville, and I'm so glad I did, and he was talking about excellence. And he said, um, make sure your people understand that just because they are around excellence, that's not their own. This excellence is not yours. It's mine. It's ours. But being here and me making people be excellent doesn't mean you're excellent. I'd have to look at your closet. I'd have to look in the trunk of your car. I'd have to look in your garage. I'd have to see how you handle your checkbook. You need excellence for your own sake. Amen? Don't just be excellent for me. Be excellence because you see the value in it for yourself. See it as one of the traits. If I'm going to be like God, I'm going to have to be excellent. Because I don't have time to take you through those scriptures, but we have an excellent God. And we're supposed to be like Him. Your boss at work may demand excellence of you, but that doesn't mean you're excellent. You have to develop excellence day by day in your own journey, in your own life. And you will not regret the pursuit of it. I said, I promise you, you won't. But we have scripture here that I'm showing you. It says, seek that you may excel to the building up of the church. The word seek means to pursue, to endeavor, to obtain, to be zealous, to be diligent. The word excel means to superabound. Amen. In both quantity and quality, it means to be over and above. Over and everyone say over and above. You guys get the over and above patch just for coming here tonight on the wet with the weather like it is. Amen. That's just wonderful. Praise God. Amen. Over and above. Uh, the word excel means to be in excess. To be in excess. To increase exceedingly. Amen. So we see in these two verses that our service should be as unto God and not to men. It should be wholehearted unto God's glory. And that we should pursue diligently, that's the word seek, to be over and above, to cause to superabound, that's to excel, in the building up of this church. Amen. Hallelujah. That's my mind. That's the word of God. Amen. Let that be your mind. Let that be your mind. If anything is worthy of the very highest of the high, the very best of the best, it is God's house, God's people, and God's cause. Let's launch out, amen, and stir ourselves towards excellence. So God is really helping us on time here. We're doing okay. So let's look at some things about developing excellence. Let me say some things to you <clears throat> about that. Without diving into Daniel because of time's sake, I... Uh, 
I would really encourage you to spend some time studying Daniel's life. Uh, Spend some time, especially in Daniel chapter 6. In Daniel 5, verse 12, and Daniel 6, verse 1 through 3, it says that Daniel had an excellent spirit in him. Now notice, without a rabbi, because they're banished, they don't have a rabbi, they don't have a synagogue. He did this on his own. He pursued God on his own. He developed his faith on his own. He read the word on his own. And every day he worked on his integrity. Every day he worked on his standard. Every day he worked on his insides. You know, that's our assignment every day. You have more than an assignment than to just keep your kids alive and get your task list done. Every day you should be working on your insides. Every day. Me. Every day. I'm working on my insides. Working on my insides. Amen? Because I know this for me. The church, God can't enlarge the church until my insides enlarge. But it's not just me. The, help, the insides of the helps ministry needs to enlarge. If you read our prophecy book, Dr. Jacobs prophesied about an enlargement. Amen. And a, and a strengthening that what God wanted to bring to the helps ministry. And thank God for that. Praise God. But Daniel, he served five different pagan kings. Now, remember, how did one king in the same territory replace the next king? How do you think that happened? War. Hostile takeover. And when one kingdom defeats another, what do they do with the surviving leadership? Off with their head. Go wash my car at best. But they kept Daniel. Five administrations. They kept him. Not only did they keep him, they served like he served basically in second command to all of them. What does that say about who he was? What he was on the inside. Five different pagan administrations says, I trust you with my kingdom. Your boss needs to go, I trust you with this. I need to be able, my wife needs to be able to say to you, I trust you with this task. I trust you with this live stream. I trust you with these restrooms. I trust you with our precious members and visitors coming through the door greeters. I trust you with that. Five different administrations. What does it say about him? He had an excellent spirit in him. Amen? Now, I, I'm just, you, you trust me, this is in that passage. Well, let's, let's read the, the, the little one, one under Daniel 6 there. It pleased Darius to set the kingdom, to set over the kingdom 120 satraps or leaders, regional leaders over the whole kingdom. And over these three, so over the 120, he set three. Three governors, of whom Daniel was one. That the satraps of the regional leaders might give an account to them, so that the king would suffer no loss. Then this Daniel distinguished himself above the governors, the, only, the other two, and the regional leaders, the 120, because an excellent spirit was in him. What will an excellent spirit do for you, Coventry? It will distinguish you. What's that mean? It will set you apart as special. That's why it's worthy of pursuing. That's why it's worthy of pursuing. Because excellence in your life will set you apart. Your boss, your company might not appreciate your Jesus, but they appreciate excellence. These people weren't, these men weren't, Darius wasn't a godly man, but he appreciated the excellent spirit Daniel had. And it distinguished him. 
And so if you're among these 123, the regional leaders, 120, and three of the governors, you're the highest of the high. You're the highest of the high in that nation. But that wasn't high enough for Daniel. His excellent spirit set him only next to the king in authority. Woo, glory. It was an excellent spirit. Well, you, you just, so we see here that excellence distinguished him. But then uh, let's read that last phrase uh, up in the passage. It says, and the king gave thought to setting him over the whole realm. What will an excellent spirit do for you? Promote you. I said it'll promote you. So I wonder, I wonder leaders, what will an excellent spirit do for this church? It will promote us. God can put more on excellence. It'll put, he'll be able to put more on us. So understand something about a developed mindset. Understand this. Uh, I, miss, I misstated that. Forgive me. Excellence is a developed mindset. You weren't born with it. Your brain was a blank slate. And every single one of us, me too, we came in tonight with a mindset. A mindset. Right? There was a day, and there would have been nothing. It wasn't wrong at that time in my life. There was a day leading this ministry, if, if Brett years ago would have come to me and said the heat exchange unit went out on the heater, 2200 to replace the fix to fix it, 5500 or 6000 to replace the whole thing. There was a day in my life I would have said, replace the heating unit. Go with the cheaper option. No, wouldn't be anything wrong with that. Right. Repaired it. I just don't think like that anymore. To me, if you're 30, 35% of the total replacement cost and you could put it under warranty, right. just replace it. Amen. And so we stretched out to do that with the last two units and God paid for it. Amen. Now those units, now, we're not, now we didn't put $2,200 into a unit that has a new heat exchanger but the air conditioner part of the unit might break in the spring. Now, whatever happens with those two units for 10 years or whatever it is, we got parts and labor warranty. See, to me, excellence is cheaper in the end. But see, I'm, and I'm not where I am not, I get around Jesse Duplantis in the back room and go, oh my God, I haven't even started. Compared to him, I have projects thinking. Apparent to him. Right? And that doesn't make him wrong. And it doesn't make me at my level wrong. But it does show me how far I can go. And I don't get... I, now listen, I make mention of Jesse Duplantis. Um, I don't follow him for doctrine. Can I say that to you as a pastor? I don't look to him for doctrine. So when I name his name... Don't go, okay, yeah, pastor endorses complete and, and buys into everything he says. No, I don't buy into everything he says. Precious man. But I love his thinking. I love his heart for people. I love his faith. I love his boldness. Got a good sense of humor. It's just a safety for you. It's not a criticism of him. Right? 
but just the safety for you. So if you're going to become a person of excellence, you will have to develop and you will have to work on this. This is what's keeping me from a greater level. Not a lack of resources. Every time I brought my thinking up higher, the resources followed. Do we have scripture for that? Anybody think of a scripture for that? Yeah, but here's another one, 3 John 2. Beloved, I pray that above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health even as or to the degree your soul prospers. So do you see your prosperity and your health is tracking your thinking? Your checkbook is... So many people think, if I just had a better job, what you need is a better mind. It's not a criticism where you're at, but it's here. And I love, I love, I'm getting quoting Dr. Hedabaugh. Our lives will not change until this does. There's no change coming in your life, positive, until you do something with this right here. And it go, this goes back to the gate of correction. And are we willing to hear things that challenge us to expose, in a loving way, to expose this? In love with the only aim that we could come up higher. Amen. It's a mindset. So excellence in this ministry is, good, is connected to the, to the way that we think. Amen. How come, well, so for years I, I mowed the yard here. And then we had, you know, others have been faithful to help us at times, but then Rex took it. And um, there have been in times where maybe we get into a conference and we had to lean on somebody else, and when someone else mows it, it's mowed. But it, I don't know how to describe it. What it looks like. Same mower. Same piece of equipment. Maybe it's experience. But he got it the way I want it because more than anybody in that area, he's fellowshipped around my thinking. So he doesn't leave. Well, I mowed it, even though there's a trail of clumpy grass. He will either pick up the grass or he'll mow over it again and again and again, blow it around so that that is not the way it looks when he leaves. It's a mindset. And we're not where we ought to be. We're taking it up higher. This year we're ordering a striper unit for our mower so that it will have that striped look as we go. Come on now. And every year it's getting better out there. Because we hired a weed company to come out and spray everything. If you guys know how to kill wild onions, let me know. Those boogers need to get... <laughs> anyway, this is not all, not all wasted talk. I'm just talking about different examples. Yes. It frustrates me to walk in the office at the beginning of the day and the coffee thing in the Keurig has no water in it. Mm -hmm. That bugs the fire out of me. <laughs> and it really bothers me. When there's no coffee in the, in the little thing, 
There better be some coffee there, staff. Pastor wants coffee when he comes in. Learn it. <laughs> Amen. So again, we all have to work on our mindset, and I've talked about that's going to require a willingness to change. There's the, the leadership note there. Someone that is from a leadership point of view, if you're unwilling to change, that's disqualifying for leadership in ministry. To be unwilling to change is to deny growth. So if I have a leader that's unwilling to change, they are paralyzing that part of the ministry from growing. Because their mindset is, I've been the leader of this department for all these years, and this is the way we do it. And it's working just fine. Well, it's not working just fine if we were to double. And I'm not thinking what we got. I'm thinking about showing God that we can handle double and triple the kids. Oh. Amen. So again, we see there in number four, Daniel had an excellent spirit in him. And that means that's, you know, Daniel was who he was, whether he was serving the king or whether he was praying in his room. And when they passed a law to conspire against him because they were jealous and envious of the promotion God was bringing into his life, he did not change his routine. How many people would have compromised uh, in the name of self-preservation? It's a pretty good motive to stay alive. Right? You know Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? How many Christians today would have bowed and repented later? That's a lack of excellence. That's a lack of moral excellence. They would not bow. Amen? Amen. Well, we should not bow uh, to having crooked rows on a Sunday. We just shouldn't. And Daniel, Daniel, when they passed that law, he went right home, pulled all the shades up, and he did what he did every day. He got down his knee and praised to his God. And notice it was the excellent spirit that got him in the lion's den, but it's the excellent spirit that got him out. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. I don't know. I hope I'm making sense. Oh, so you're really going to love this. Get ready to shout now. The only way, you can see that on the top of the page, there's two blanks there for you to write in. The only way that you and I are going to develop in excellence is to embrace two things. Diligence and discipline. Oh, doesn't that make you feel good? Apparently not. So I picked this book up. It's called A Spirit of Excellence from Reverend Richard Roberts. Here's a short excerpt. Friend, there is an appalling lack of discipline in the world today. And there's also a lack of discipline in the body of Christ. How about disciplining yourself to show up on your scheduled time? Discipline. Diligence. On many fronts, because the truth of God's Word is not being preached and therefore practiced, instead of developing people who have excellent spirits, we're developing people who don't even know the meaning of, let alone the worth of the words discipline, diligence, and excellence. They equate those words with some type of outdated religious bondage. You know, the fact that I demand a standard of dress on certain levels of leadership. You know, in other circles, they call that bondage. Why don't we just engage with the cultural trend? Because I'm not called to. 
cultural trends are not dictating what I do in this church. Yeah, thank God. Amen? You know the great uh, Paul Harvey, the radio guy? He did his broadcast, a radio booth. Nobody saw him in a suit and tie, dressed to the nines. They, after years of berating him, they said that he finally relinquished and came and began to do his radio broadcast in uh, jeans and a t-shirt or something. And the quality of his broadcast went whoom. And therefore his advertising and all that went vroom. He changed it. He said, there's something about it when I put that suit on. It affects my mindset when I go behind that microphone and how I approach my work. Well, that's a secular radio program. How much more the pulpit? How much more the praise team? How much more the ushers? How much more the security? How much more? He's he's representing the Paul Harvey show. We are representing the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the Almighty. Amen. So Reverend Roberts says, excellence is not developed without discipline and diligence. They're absolutely vital attributes for the body of Christ. Absolutely vital. We will not be able to, how is any army, and we are an army, going to accomplish its mission without discipline. We're not going to. And so part of discipline, and again, okay, I'm, my time. Uh, for us to be effective and get larger in fruitfulness and in numbers, we're going to have to value delegated authority. A small church can sometimes spurn delegated authority figures in the church because they have enough direct access to the pastor, they'll only take it from him. But that doesn't work in a larger ministry. Can't have that. There has to be delegated authority down the chain. And when Paul Floyd, the head usher, gives a a directive, it is followed joyfully as if it came from Jesus. And anything less than that is less than. Oh, glory. Amen. Amen. If things fall off because word gets out that I'm at a conference or I'm ministering somewhere and things fall off because of that, shame on us. Shame on us. That means that on some level this ministry is built on me. And I don't want to be the pastor here if that's true. And it's not overall, but I'm just saying. I, I feel sad for you. If, if it's built around me. You don't know me that well. My wife will tell you. Amen. So, and I love this, this last little bit of this excerpt. He says, true, okay, I, oh, I can't skip that. Discipline and diligence are vital attributes for the body of Christ if we're going to become people of excellence as ministers of the gospels and soldiers of the cross We must have discipline in our lives. True biblical discipline will produce true freedom in your life. It's the one that cannot not have another cookie. That one's bound. That one is bound. 
They can't not not oversleep, stay up too late, engage in carnal. That one is bound. But the one who has learned to say, no, I value my health. And I'm not going to step till three in the morning on Saturday night doing this or that and be tired at church. No, no, I'm not doing that. I'm going to bed at 10 o'clock. I'm going to get up at 7 a.m. I'm going to pray for the service. And I'm going to be wide awake. We're serving to a standard. Hallelujah. I wonder if, it, if we really got a hold of this, if things would elevate the church. I just know it would. So let's get ready to close here. I want to touch on another thought. And so let's go to Romans chapter 11. I want you to maybe, if you don't have this one marked in your, in your actual scripture or your highlighted on your phone or something, bless you. Romans 11. I'm going to touch on this and then we'll, I want to lay hands on you. We're going to go somewhere. We're going to go places we've never been. We're going to come into greater levels of fruitfulness like we've never had. Amen. I'm so thankful, but I'm not satisfied. I didn't ask for it, but God, God chose to encourage me one day. I was under the pressure of building this building. And it was one of those few times, thankfully, where I was really thinking about quitting. And uh, he said, son, if you see it through, if you don't quit, if you see it through, I mean, all the way to the end. He said, I'll give you a big work. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Well, I, I, we did it. I did it. Amen. All right. There's other things to do, but that part of the assignment is complete. Yeah. And I'm expecting him to give me a big work. Amen. Not to make me anything, not to make us anything, but I want to, I want to, I want to do a big work yes. for, for God. So Romans 11, verse 13. You've heard this. Romans 11, verse 13. For I speak to you Gentiles inasmuch as I am the apostle. Notice, he knew who he was. He knew his place of service in the body. So you need to think about your station in the body. Well, I don't have one. Yes, you do. Who told you that? There are six offices of ministry in the body of Christ. Six of them. And every single one of us is called to one of them. There's the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, the pastor, the teacher, and there's helps. And helps is an office of ministry. It's an office of ministry. I'm going to get this in, into this session real quick. I'm working with a change of mentality among the staff. And it's going to filter down to department heads next. But I'm going to, I'm going to blast it out at you right now. We are going to change the verbiage and the mentality of the church here. No more will I use the word volunteer. Volunteer is wrong. Volunteer implies optional. Volunteer implies optional. This is not the YMCA. No, this is not I want to serve at the hospital in the waiting room because I don't have anything to do. We have been set in the body as it has pleased Him. No more will I use the word volunteer. I will use the term anointed and appointed. 
And that's the way Pastor Nancy operates her ministry. And you know, in her ministry, for the most part, people don't get to choose where they serve. She goes, this is where I need them. You tell them this is where they're serving. Well, okay, what's going on in you? Don't tell me, but what's going on in you? It, let's judge it by the scripture. In the mind of Jesus, serving in the local church, optional, mandatory. It's mandatory. Mandatory. Furthermore, every member of this church signed a form indicating an honorable promise to keep a covenant with me that you would attend, tithe, and serve. Who do you want to message? Sorry, nobody. Right? You know, judge yourself. Are you, are you in line with that covenant promise that you, that you made? So what does this say? So it says, For I speak to you Gentiles inasmuch as I am the apostle of the Gentiles. And what does he say next? I ma- mark that down. I magnify my office. I magnify my office. If you look it up in the Greek, the word office could also be translated function. And it would be a great way for you to think about that. Right? So I magnify my office, the pastoral office. That's my function. And I make, what does it mean magnify? Elevate. Make much of. Dignify it. Glorify it. Well, you have a function. Right? So you deacons, you be the best spirit-filled, faith-filled deacons, signs and wonders, example, prayer deacons that any any local church ever had. If we're going to have a security team, rock and roll, special forces, make it happen. Now, I don't want Gestapo attitude, you know, like we're Nazi, I don't want that either. And I don't want the congregation scared half to death either. But magnify that function. You're in a cafe, magnify that. Show up on time. Make sure the coffee's right. Clean those counters. Serve with a smile. Do it unto Jesus. You're going to teach? You're going to preach? You're going to sing? Magnify your function. Magnify it. Amen. Last couple of nuggets here. Be, I would encourage you, and I know this is a change of mindset. Do not be position-minded in the church. Be vision-minded. What if I really were in the coming months to come and say, well, we've been evaluating, we're no more volunteers, but we're anointed and appointed, and i got a big need over here, and you're it. And so I know you've been serving here, but I'm going to ask you to serve over here for the next six months. Some people are like, <laughs> some people are like, don't you do it. Don't you do it. Don't you do it. Well, listen, I'm going to make you laugh about that, lighten it up a little bit. But if you're really inside going, don't you do it, you're wrong. You're territorial. That position is not yours. It's an honor. It's a privilege to serve. And it's not yours. 
It's not yours. So to prepare you for, for any kind of change, amen, and I'm not saying big change is coming. I'm just saying, just by example, to maintain the right heart, I'm here for the vision. Now I do everything I can to get the best seat on any airplane I'm on. I don't want to sit back there by the potty and wait an hour to get off the airplane. You might like that. I don't. I want to be talking to the captain up at the front. And the moment the door opens, I'm off. But when that's not possible, I have to deal with my little tood, my attitude. And one of the ways I try to help myself simmer down is... The big point is where I'm going. It's not the seat I want, but I'm willing to take the seat, occupy the seat, because I believe in where I'm going. See, a vision-minded helps minister says, I don't care where you put me. Where am I needed? I don't care that I've been serving in the back room for, what what do you need me to do? Because I believe in the vision. I believe in where we're going. And every pastor needs precious people like that. Amen. You see, you need to understand, and I promise I am closing here, that people have gotten this idea, and I used to have this idea. Dr. Hadabal really helped me with this. i got to find out my individual anointing and then avail myself to the pastor and tell him where and, and Dr. Hadabaugh, this is the way he thinks about it, and I, I like it. He said, when it comes to the helps ministry in a local church, it, it, your individual anointing doesn't matter much. Mm-hmm. The anointing you need is on the ministry. The anointing is on the ministry. And every department in the ministry counts and is important to God, and it has an anointing on it. So what you should be able to do is, by faith, I've been asked to serve there. there. That place of service is needed, and therefore it's anointed. I'm going to step into that anointing. I'm going to step into that anointing and function there. It may not be your pleasurable place or the place most suiting to you. And we don't want people long-term to serve in a position like that. You understand. But what if it was needed for a moment? Well, if it was needed for a year or half a year. Amen. Amen. So just remember that there is an anointing on the church. You don't need your own anointing. I brought plenty. As the pastor here. And you can step into that anointing. Amen. You know there's an anointing to be an usher here? There's a grace. There's an anointing. Amen. To be on that praise team. You got to get up early. You got to There's an anointing for that. There's an anointing. Amen. For whatever place of responsibility that you have. Hallelujah. Amen. Gosh, there's so much I want to say. <laughs> say, Pastor, you said plenty. I just, well, my, my big thing to communicate, to leave here with tonight is, is this. We don't just serve here. We serve to a standard. 
sometime in a future session, maybe I'd love to. Uh... And you guys have that clip? We could close with that clip. Get that ready. Hallelujah. I forgot what I was going to say. It's my spiritual father. Avatar. Put an honor. And then I put an honor on my crowd. My crowd. To come and honor them. And magnify it. even by my dress. Well, you're old school. Yeah, but I got the money, dude. <laughs> and that in today's language, dude. You know what I'm talking about? Hallelujah. I know I'm going to scream with a lot of this stuff. But that's all right. I'm going to turn that string. I've been doing it for years, but I'm going to keep going on that string. You can call me old school. You can call me anything you want. But I guarantee you, if you don't put an honor on your, on your, on your mantle on your life and, 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 and the way you dress, eventually it will affect your ministry. And I go to your church and there'll be nothing but a bunch of car buckets in that way. Because you don't put a standard. A standard. And not being dignified. I mean, God Himself anointed you. Even as a even as a Christian, He anointed you. I found it out. He'd go into a restaurant with a suit on after church. The people they talk to me differently than they do. Now here's another thing. I have two degrees. PhD, Paul Stone Digger. <laughs> I shouldn't have even said that, but 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 now Lord said, I said, now Lord, why are you giving me honor and giving me those two of them? Why, why why are you giving me that? He said, Do you remember when you went to uh, was it Harvard? I went to uh, huh? Where? Yeah, yeah, university. And I went there and preached in their chapel for a whole week. Matter of fact, one of the one of the guys that uh, well, he's real close to Brother Copeland, uh, that that uh, he was a Wall Street guy. He's pastor now in New York. He got saved. And this is what God now listen. Now see that now the world honors that. And he said because you've been faithful all these years to the world, that's success. To the world, being a preacher is not being a success. But that is an honor. And, and, and that's why I'm going to have him call me doctor. He said, then, I, then, I don't, then, then you're dishonoring that certificate. That's why people call me doctor. And I, listen, I find out in the world, just getting tickets, and they say, oh, doctor, Frank, we, we just have to have a seat at the first class. And then, then, you know, they're giving things up. Are you a doctor of surgery or what? I said, no, doctor of the Bible. (laughs) (laughs) 
Hallelujah. I just want to play that little clip about him talking about going upstream. But he was, he was preaching earlier about that scripture, Romans eleven thirteen. 13. I magnify my office. I dignify my office. I bring an honor to it. And we all have a mantle. And we should carry that mantle from Jesus in an honorable way. Amen. Brother Mark, would it be hard for you guys to just put on an instrumental, just an instrumental track? Everybody stand to your feet real quick. If I could have a couple of people move this podium for me.